you know, I still had a great time viewing it, even though it didn't necessarily. We started getting that drama um, once a certain terrible team in the NFC North drafted uh, their quarterback of the future. But before that, it was a chalk draft, and I was I was still enjoying it even with that. So I think that kind of goes to say, like Klepp said, Jeremiah is the best. And he had one uh, hilarious comparison, or I think he – he com- he compared some player to like Bobby Boucher or I, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, no, but it was that... uh, Antonio Ganey Golden. He compared him to yeah. Billy Madison on, on the playground. With oh, a, Billy a, Madison, with yeah, the, on the know. playground. <laughs> <laughs> Got my Sandler movies messed up, but uh, yeah, Jerem- DJ is the best man, and he kind of Lewis Riddick. I mean, even though he yep. is, even though he's normally busy tweeting crap at me about how Trubisky is going to be good, um, I got to give respect to my biggest rival in the media, and that's Lewis Riddick. Oh, yeah. So yeah, great draft oh man uh, do we want to get into some uh some of some of our classes here we're going to go uh each of us is going to throw out a team that we didn't like uh their class and uh, each of us is going to throw out a team that we did like what they did uh, in this year's draft to set them up for the future and i guess i'll, I'll throw it to tommy here uh let's just start with some good news tommy who's uh what, what team do you think uh, did, did really well in this year's draft Wow, I mean, since you're you're giving me the first pick, I'm I'm gonna have to go with I think the chalk, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the Baltimore Ravens I think had the best the best draft in in my opinion, and it started with getting Patrick Queen, and that's a guy in our in our mock in our our four way mock. That's a guy who I took at 28, and I was talking about how this was a complete steal for them. Uh, getting Patrick Queen at, at at 28 really I thought was the the second best linebacker in this draft. I thought he was uh, ahead of of Kenneth Murray and a guy who. Fits probably the biggest need on on Baltimore's roster, maybe next to replacing Marshall Yonda in terms of just getting some new blood in there. And, and Patrick Queen, I think, is perfect, you know, personality, culture fit for and plays like a Raven. That's what you know when you're looking for that Raven, that Raven pick. You need a guy who's who's going to fit right in there. And I think Patrick Queen was a perfect fit and a complete steal at 28. And they continue to just take the the best value of this draft, I think, at, at every pick. I mean, we can go through it real quick and just a bunch of guys. J.K. Dobbins, who was mm-hmm. my number one running back, you get at 55, who I think. And I, I, J.K. Dobbins, too, to me, is a really great fit for that system, just in terms of a guy who gets downhill really quickly. Doesn't, I mean, the big, I guess, knock on him is maybe a lack of agility in the backfield but i guess you know if you're running the option stuff with lamar he just needs to get down hit the hole fast so i thought that was a really great fit just in terms of the offense that they're they're running completely and i mean i guess yeah take was running back a little bit of a luxury would gut was gus edwards fine in that role yeah but you're gonna get you're gonna put jk dobbs in here who is markedly better than gus edwards and this goes back to when i had this team in our in our uh in our mock draft and this is why i really liked what they did is they they are trying to make this offense even more dangerous. They're not content with what they did last year and how they, you know, what, what, how hard they were to defend and getting into a guy like JK Dobbins, who's just going to make this offense even more potent. And then in round three, getting a guy like Devin Duvernay, who I think perfectly, I I gave them Hamler in the second round. They traded out of that, that, that pick and they get a guy in Duvernay who I think would kind of be playing in the same way that I thought Hamler would fit into this offense where he's attacking the middle of the field. You put him in the slot. He doesn't have a real expansive route tree, but runs really simple routes that I think cater to what's that? Yeah. King. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. King. Indeed. He's going to be their, their Debo Samuel, I think, and just will make Lamar Jackson's life uh, even easier. And then just some, Real quick defensive, you know, kind of tertiary draft picks they made. Matabuke, the defensive uh, tackle from Texas A&M, super juiced up, I think, and can just – they. 
another strength. They added uh, Clay's Campbell, and you're going to get this guy as a rotational defensive lineman who is going to learn in this system and just has all the potential in the world. And then getting Lee's boy, Malik Harrison, mm-hmm. at the end of round hey, three. Hey, include me yeah, there, too. That's our boy. That's me and class boy. Let's not... Let's not well, mix mince words. Mix words. Jared excuse Davis. me. Excuse me. That was uh, that was offensive. My my apologies, uh, boss boss Adam, uh, Malik Harrison, who I think I mean again, just Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison as your two young linebackers going forward. Uh, Queen could be kind of more of your coverage linebacker. Not that he can't play downhill, and you can have Malik Harrison and just that that downhill run stuffing role. Uh, just you know Ben Bredson from from Michigan as Bredesen. a guard. Bredesen, my fault. And then uh, in the on, in the sixth and seventh round, James uh, Prochet, I believe it is from uh, from SMU, who was kind of their deep threat there, kind of is built like a running back. I didn't watch a lot of him, but it's just a nice flyer in the sixth round. And then my guy Geno Stone, who I brought up in the we Lee and I talked about in the sleepers episode in the seventh round, who's just a real heady safety who I think is going to make this team pretty easily and just is a great depth piece at safety behind Earl Thomas and Chuck Clark. So the Baltimore Ravens were were clear winners uh, to me. And you know, Tommy, I uh, I love the Dobbins pick too. He was probably my number two running back behind uh, DeAndre Swift, who I hope we'll be able to talk about. Um, and with that pick, something I've heard some other people talk about, and kind of why I agree, it's a, not necessarily a luxury pick, but a really good pick. Is if you're gonna if you're gonna run the ball as often as uh, the Ravens are gonna run the ball, like you need as many bodies as possible. And getting you know arguably the best running back um, in the draft, I think he was picked maybe the fourth or maybe even fifth running back taken. That's incredible value there. And he's sort of the way he, he's not, um, he, he's a, you know, short kind of like straight downhill runner. He, he's sort of a threat in the receiving game, but not the biggest threat. Um, he kind of just sort of reminds me you're getting a younger, cheaper Mark Ingram for when, you know, Ingram's only got a couple more years left. So I love that pick. Dolan, do you want to give us a, a loser team? A loser? Uh, absolutely. I I think we should probably just talk Packers right now um, if we're going to go losers. And I, I have a feeling both my, my winner and loser are going to come from the NFC North. Um, when it comes down to it, everyone knows that uh, the Packers took Jordan Love um, and also uh, went with a thumper uh, in the second round in A.J. Dillon. Um, the two positions that you could argue were um, the best on their team last year, quarterback and running back. But um, the reason why I'll consider them a loser, and I'm not going to give them an F like some other uh, draft pundits did, but um, I think that you were, you know, theoretically, they got absolutely stomped last year in the NFC title game, but they were one game away from the Super Bowl. So... In theory, you think going into the draft, you're like, okay, what are some little things that we could improve on? And one of them was like, you know, they need a wide receiver too. Um, you know, we, maybe we need some help on the offensive line. Something of that nature, just a guy that Rodgers said, you know, get me some help. And I, I think that was kind of stupid because it's not it, like he's in the position to carry a team right now. But, you know, you're if you're in the NFC title game, you're theoretically about a player or two away from Super Bowl. Um and what do they do? They go and do the old-fashioned Packers pick, and they pick a guy they're going to sit for four years and can learn behind a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, and I actually mocked Jordan Love to the Packers because I, I literally – I remember I texted in the group chat. I was like, hey, like, you guys think I should mock Jordan Love to the Packers, like, just, you know, as a joke? Because I was like, I was like, oh, like, the Packers are going to do their whole, you know, draft a guy and develop him thing. And they actually did it. And, you know, everybody kind of shook their head. And 
I'm sort of a Jordan Love fan, but uh, the fact that they did it with, you know, the quarterback that had um, really the most controversial uh, and kind of polarizing quarterback in the draft and Jordan Love, a guy who has all the physical tools, but it hasn't come together on the field. I think in the immediate future, this absolutely makes the Packers, you know, a losing team. And I kind of don't. I don't know about you guys, but I don't know how they're going to make any improvements this coming year with the kind of free agency and draft they had. And I think they could maybe, you know, it could be a little bit of trouble in paradise. And Rodgers, uh, he's definitely not the nicest guy. And him and LaFleur are like the same age. They're kind of just like, you know, friends who, you know, like don't really get along, always doing petty things behind each other's back. So I, I think it's trouble in paradise in Green Bay. Yeah, Dolan, I was going to say when you're talking about theoretically being a win or two away, man, you can throw theoretics out the window in this league because you're going to get fired if you don't perform at a certain level and everyone around you is improving. Um, we can talk about the Lions are, the expectations are high as ever this year. You can say what you want about them. They've improved. The Vikings have improved. The Bears have improved. Everyone, it's a year-by-year league, and I know obviously there are teams that succeed historically and teams that don't succeed, but at the same time, um, I think that this is a little bit of a. This was a kind of a spoiled brat draft from Lafleur. He's he's acting yeah. like a spoiled brat who hasn't who hasn't uh, faced failure yet. And when he faces failure, he's going to have to face his mistakes. And some of those mistakes are going to be starkly made in this year's draft. I'm I'm nearly certain of it. So just to echo what you were saying, I think that and at some point they are in a position to kind of rebuild. But at the same time, they're now in a they're they. They've opened up a whole new can of worms with their quarterback situation, with the trust between Rodgers and LaFleur, and with overall with the identity of this team and this offense is going to be moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just want to pile on here because I think this. I think they're the clear losers of this of this draft, and Aaron Rodgers I think might be even even more of a loser than the Packers are, just because of what this means for his immediate future and what it means for their you know supposed championship window. I think we all. <laughs> were a little bit skeptical skeptical of the Packers' success last year, but they were in a position where they had the, 30, the 30th pick, they had a second-round pick. This is a deep receiver class. It's, it's not even about the Jordan Love pick for me. It's more about what they did after it, getting A.J. Dillon in round two and Josiah DeGuara in round three, who's a move tight end, who's reportedly going to play fullback and be their Kyle Juszczyk. Um, I said it off air before, and I just kind of want to get it out there because I, I do believe that it's that is true that Lafleur watched what Kyle Shanahan did to him last last year and what their offense was able to do, and they just ran it at will on Green Bay, and they couldn't stop him. And I think they're going to try and do that this year because one of the strengths I thought of Green Bay's offense compared to the utter weakness that they have a wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams is their running back uh, room with AJ uh, with Jones uh, and then. Uh, Lee, your boy Williams from from BYU. Oh, BYU, Hammy, yeah. It was, it was, it really was a position of strength. I thought so. Getting those guys at the top and then really doing nothing. They didn't draft one receiver. Uh, you know, yeah. my guy KJ Hill from Ohio State was on the board in the seventh round, and you you didn't draft a receiver at all. So that's where I completely agree with Lee, where it's a, more of a hissy fit move, and it's it's a it's you know it's a power move. It's an ego stroke move, where it's more about let's show Aaron that he's not really in control here. Uh, so mm-hmm. I will give them credit for for. For drafting uh, some solid linemen, I'll put that out. John there. Runyon, good yeah. day. Runyon, yeah. and they got that Stemiak from Indiana. They they focused on and building Hansen. their line a little bit. So I I like that too. But yeah. uh, you know, Alan Lazard is your number two receiver. Like, come on, uh, this is just yeah, it's brutal. No, it's, it, it really disagree. is brutal, and I think they're they're clear losers in this draft. Hey, what yeah, do you guys What do you guys think about uh, the fact that um, 
Lafleur management they're you know they're owned by the state of Wisconsin, so they're million owners. Um, they didn't even tell Aaron Rod- all they told Aaron Rodgers was that we're going to get you some help. That was what they said in the in uh, for the draft. So Aaron Rodgers figured out that they were getting Jordan Love at the exact same time that we did, and I think that's just a, it's a really a weird dynamic right now. And I think Lafleur kind of wants to be the man of the house and is sort of pushing Rodgers out. Yeah, and I mean, this is two straight drafts also for the Packers that I've kind of scratched my head a little bit, even going back to last year. Rashawn Gary didn't really like that pick. Uh, Darnell Savage, I mean, I remember Tommy and I liked Savage, but we felt that it was a little bit high. I believe they took him, you know, 20 overall, you know, in those mm-hmm. two first-round picks. Uh, Elton Jenkins was, was a good pick, but then, you know, getting – but then, you know, Tommy, adding on to your tight end complaints, like you drafted Jay Sternberger last year. Yep. Like, so it's just like the, it doesn't really seem like there's a there's a solid plan uh, in, in Green Bay. And then, I mean, I'll just – but then at the same time, I'll say it. Like, if Jordan Love is, you know, the guy who captains the Packers for the next 17 years and they do another thing from that they went from Rodgers to Favre, like – or Favre to Rodgers, it's like, well – it ain't happening. That was probably uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm just hey, as a Lions fan, you gotta say yeah. it. I'm putting it. You out have there. to say it. Yeah, no, and I respect the fact that you're saying it. And I'm the same guy who said, "Oh, Mahomes, Mahomes, they're not going to do good." That, that that was me too. So, <laughs> and I'm not comparing Love to Mahomes, but people have. I'm I'm on the no train. I think I think Love is he can be average. I think I think he'd be all right in the NFL. I never think he's going to be a generational guy. So, anyways, Lee, you want to yeah. do a, a class you like? Um, absolutely, and. I'm going to take the uh, – I'm going to say the Arizona Cardinals did a great job of improving their team this year in the draft. Uh, first of all, we got to talk about Isaiah Simmons dropping to eight. Say what you want about the guy. There's Clearly there were some doubts about him amongst NFL scouts because if you just look at who were the best players in college football last year, this guy's clearly top three. Um, and if you see him at eight, I just think he's a toolsy dude who ultimately can be a piece that can help Arizona's defense on multiple levels. Um, this has kind of been a middling defense that doesn't really have an identity. They drafted Hassan Reddick, um, and that was kind of a swing and a miss. I think he's still on the roster and still maybe has a place on the team, but I think Simmons is a guy who's going to make an impact on that defense from day one as a linebacker, honestly. So I think that's a great pick for them. And then getting Josh Jones in the third round, they didn't have another pick to the third round, didn't make any trades. Um, and then they get who I think can be their left tackle or right tackle of the future in Josh Jones. Um, who we saw in a ton of mocks going in the first round, and all of us, I think, had ranked as our, our fifth or, or maybe sixth lineman behind the, the top four or five guys. Um, so getting him in the third round, I think, was huge. And then my personal boy, Lucky Fotu, cinder block hands, club, fourth round, yep. 114th overall. I just think that that's a great value pick for them, um, a great run defender to get. <clears throat> so I think the value is absolutely there. I think he's a guy who isn't going to push the pocket too much, but I think his, his transition to the NFL is going to be relatively seamless as a, uh, as a run defender. Don't know too much about Rashad Lawrence, so I'm not going to speak on that. I guess adding to the D-line is pretty good. Um, but that's, that was kind of a, a pick where I, I didn't necessarily agree with it at the time, so I'm not going to speak on that. And then to finish it off in the sixth round, 202, Evan Weaver. Um, slow as molasses, like I've said, but the, Cal Golden Bear. He's a Cal Golden Bear. He's a heady linebacker, and he's a guy who I think has a future in the NFL. And I think, personally, if Logan Wilson's the first pick in the third round and you're getting Evan Weaver in the mid-sixth round, then, you know, you're, you're doing something right. And there's nothing to say bad about Wilson, but I just think Weaver's not, not too incomparable of a player to, to Wilson, um, all things considered. And then, finally, Eno Benjamin in the seventh round. 
uh, running back at Arizona State, a guy that didn't get too much buzz from the back judge, um, and but but got a lot of a lot of buzz elsewhere. And uh, and I, watching him at Arizona State, he was he was probably the most electric player on their team outside of Iuk. So uh, seeing him go in the seventh round of them, I think they're going to do a lot with him. I think he can step in and be the second best running back on their team behind uh, behind Kenyon Drake and, and kind of replace Chase Edmonds there. So I think they got a lot to be excited about in in, in AC Ryan Gosling. Kingsbury. <laughs> and, and, oh, that's and, and Lee, you, you forgot to mention their second round pick, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. Well, yeah, he's been mentioned enough, but on top of yeah. this draft, on top of that, and um, I think they got some great value. And the thing that I really want to hammer home about this draft too, Lee, because I can com- I completely agree with everything you said, uh, lockstep, and I think they're a clear winner of this draft is. Josh Jones fell the third round. I mean, if you were to tell me that Josh Jones is going to follow the third round, then the Giants should have taken Isaiah Simmons at four. I think you could have changed mm-hmm. a lot of what these teams were doing who took tackles, uh, you know, in, in that top in that top 15. Um, I do think it's interesting, but to me, he was just completely steady Eddie, uh, good in pass pro, doesn't really get beat, and I think he's going to start at, at right tackle. And, Film guy. And I just want, <laughs> and I just want to do, uh, and I just wanted to say too about Nino Benjamin. I think I love the Eno Benjamin pick because I don't know if he's going to replace Edmonds or but or even Drake, but he he has a little bit more of that pop and power. And I think down in the goal line, lean in the red zone, we really saw them struggle last year. And he's a guy who I think finishes harder than both of those dudes, and I think could be an asset in the red zone. So I really like their draft as well. New uniforms, yeah. if not now, when Arizona? Yeah, if not now, when? <laughs> Let's go back to the Tillmans, baby. Put that flag yeah. on the. On That's the all you got to do. Let's get after it. That Josh Jones pick, I mean, that might have been the best value in the draft, and this is something that our guy DJ Daniel Jeremiah, he was talking about it, and we kind of saw the Panthers do the same thing, but the draft is all about you got to play the game and, you know, figure out when you're going to be able to get the best value. And the Cardinals, you know, they absolutely needed an offensive tackle um, because Kyler was, you know, I think he was sacked 48 times last year or some crazy number like that. It was the most in the league. Um, but if you're in a position where you need an offensive tackle, but you know, they see a guy falls to eight, like Isaiah Simmons to be able to take him, um, and get one of the best players in the draft, uh, at not necessarily a position of need and then be able to go and get great value in round three with Josh Jones. That's just an ideal draft. That's how you in the NFL. That's how you have great drafts, you know, getting a position of need, a guy who falls in the later round. So, you know, kudos to them for that one. All right. I will throw out a team. For, uh, for the losers, let's switch over to a, to a loser, and let's just talk about the Miami Dolphins. Mm, wow. And I think that, you know, they were a team that I was captaining during during the uh, the mock. And uh, I just, I, I mean, the Tua pick, great. I'm happy that they did that at five, get the quarterback of the future. Let's, you know, let's get this ball rolling. But Austin Jackson at 18 was was super high for me, and then especially considering you got Josh Jones and lasted all the way to the third round. Even over Austin Jackson, though, I mean, there's other tackles that I think, you know, like talk about our boy Matt Pertley, mm-hmm. um, just du- dudes that you can get later on yep. that you didn't need to reach for there. Um, you know, he's a developmental type of pick. Um, Noah Egg at 30, the guy that was uh, in, in the, you know, pretty near the bottom of the, of the clut board. Uh, you know, a guy like Raquan Davis off the off the clut board at, in mm-hmm. round two at pick 24. And then uh, even, you know, just to, to not even take a wide receiver until the seventh round and Malcolm Perry from Navy, like your receiver core needed a little bit of a boost. And Love you didn't Malcolm. really help. You didn't really get to uh, any weapons. You know, you, you kind of, you know, no running back. 
Um, like I know Rita. I guess you traded Rita. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It, it didn't really get him any great weapons, though, and then taking a long snapper in the sixth round, too, just kind of a confusing draft for me from them. Yeah, I completely agree, Clep. I think Tommy I think Tommy loves Flores a little bit too much for his own good, to be honest. I will I will say if I can play devil's advocate because I do agree with you guys on paper. Like they took with the exception of two and, and like your point with Jordan Love Club, I mean if Tua hits, it completely just makes his class completely erases potentially everything else they did, even though they had, you know, you can make a conversation about the value they had and the potential losses they took. But I do think the the bright spot is that I think they're attacking positions that were of need. Like they these are their guys, kind of like how the Raiders did last year. This is something I brought up where I didn't really like the the Jonathan Abram pick. I didn't think he was going to be that good, and Farrell was definitely too too rich for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, and I, I guess I like Robert Hunt. But I'm not going to sit here and say I like a lot of the guys that they took. But I think that they must have a plan for these guys, and I do like the brain trust there. Uh, so I will I will say that I, I do kind of trust them. And after seeing what he did last year with with that team, um, you know, I, I do believe in this in this leadership and I believe in Tua ultimately, too. So uh, I don't maybe think they're as big of losers as maybe you guys do. I mean, I'm a big Flores fan, too. I mean, the Miami Dolphins were the best five and 11 football team I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, even something that we kind of have to keep in mind, you know, Tua, there are some teams that you know, kind of had him off their board because of the medical issues. And I assume that he's completely fine now, but you know, there, there is still that, um, I, I think it was a great pick, but they're still in the back of your head. You kind of have to think, you know, he's been injured. I don't know. It was six or something times with two of them being incredibly serious, uh, in the past three years, you know, there, there's a chance that, um, he could get hurt, uh, in the NFL, especially with the terrible offensive line that the dolphins have. And another thing I, I was just confused as to, I guess we were talking about it earlier. They won a nickel, but corner in the first round, when um, you just signed Byron Jones, you just made Xavier Howard one of the highest-paid um, defensive backs in the NFL before the start of last season. And then on top of that, you take Noah Igg um, over our boy Jeff Gladney, you know, like the pick right before. And maybe that's because they wanted, you know, the dynamic. I know Noah Igg, uh, he returns kicks. He can return punts. He's a good athlete. and Maybe he fits more in that nickel spot while Jeff Gladney is more of an outside, shut-you-down type of corner. But that was a little bit of a head-scratcher for me, taking no egg in the first with, you know, this is a deep corner class, and there are a lot of good corners still on the board. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Uh, Tommy, did you want to go around the horn here? Now you got to throw someone you didn't like, right? Yeah, you started off with a good one. Yeah, I mean, I originally planned for the Packers, but I'm happy we got that discussion out of the way. And I can kind of, and, uh, you know, I am chalked, but I, and I don't really even want to talk about the Seahawks because there's, there's a little bit more of a loser that I think I want to talk about, and I really kind of want to have a chance to potentially pile on, and that's the Houston Texans. Because um, I'm looking at their draft class, and I like Blacklock at 40, even though with the lack of assets they had, I, I would have liked to trade down there potentially or something. I mean, this is just a team that I just really have, have no idea what they're doing. And I'm just going to talk about them as losers because you, tra- you traded your second, second round pick for Brandon cooks. They have just a wide receiver room that consists of, of all deep threats. Basically you got Kenny stills, Brandon cooks, Will Fuller. And these are all, all three of those guys I just mentioned have, have had injury issues before too. Um, I just, 
don't really know what to, to say about this team. Um, you know, Greenard, I, I saw a little bit when I was watching Zuniga. He's a, he's a nice player with some juice off the edge. Um, I guess they attacked positions of need, but this is a team that I just think is, is heading into Rams territory where we're going to just talk about how they missed their window and you're going to have to pay Deshaun Watson, who I don't think necessarily wants to be there. And I know we've talked about this before. We've talked about the, the trade, the Hopkins trade. Uh, I just kind of want to shine a light on this Texans team and just where they're, they're, they're going wrong in a division that is still kind of up for grabs for, you know, seemingly the 10th year, really. So, well, yeah, as you talk about during the draft, they extend Laramie Tunsil, which obviously you had to do because you traded him, but gave him a ton of leverage in, in trading, you know, so much capital for him, paying yeah. him 4 million a year above what any other tackle in the NFL makes. And still the guy had a crap ton of penalties last year. Like wasn't, I don't think, you know, an elite tackle in the NFL last year, yet you're paying him like he's Jonathan Ogden. So it's just like, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's confusing and it's hard to, hard to really know what's happening there. Hard, hard, to see, to... You know, hard to see this draft class, like fixing anything, you know? Yeah, definitely. As, as, I guess like, and I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know a ton about Charlie Acker or John Reed or Isaiah mm-hmm. Coulter or, you know, it's just like, but hard to see these guys coming in and sounding there. I mean, I know, I think we've probably talked about this, but why are you getting Brandon Cooks? You are essentially, yeah. you don't want to pay new copians, but you're going to pay Brandon Cooks $16 million. It makes Because you don't have a general no, manager. Yeah. No, you do. Bill O'Brien's a general manager. No, no he's like, not. He's not. That's his title. He's, he's yes, no, he does title. not have the qualifications to run the job he's running, and he's running the team sure. into the ground. And they, sure. what, what, what else do you need to know? But I'm trying to play devil's advocate, and, like, Bill O'Brien's a smart football dude. Like, he, he's not, a, not smart enough to be a GM and coach. Who else is a GM and coach in the NFL outside of Belichick? Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I'm not trying to say he is, but I just want Vera. to know his, his logic for not bringing in, in this wide receiver class, you know, you don't even have to take a receiver in the second round. Sure, I mean, you, it just makes no sense to me, and I, I feel bad for Houston fans, and that's that's all I'm sure the merely the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I mean, I know the the season hasn't started yet, and no football has been played, but I don't know if I've ever seen a more demoralizing trade for a team than the Hopkins trade, and I, it's kind of like ever since that happened, it's sort of uh, Bill O'Brien's been GM, I think, uh, for the past year and a half or whatever it was, and he he hasn't been doing a great job, but I think that finally you know, shed even more light into how just incompetent he is uh, in being a coach GM. I mean, like, this ain't Chip Kelly. I mean, th- things aren't going to work out if they don't, you know, they might need a new coach to begin with, but they got to find a guy with an actual plan for the team or Deshaun Watson's prime is going to be wasted. Either, right? No. They don't have a first not next year. Or yeah. second. Don't, don't they have a, not have a second? I, I, I believe they might not have a second either. I think they traded Miami two firsts and two seconds. Anyways. That's a terrible trade. Um, Lee, do you want to, or, or sorry, Dolan, one uh, team you like? Yeah, um, I think I'll, I'll just, uh, there are a lot of teams I really like their drafts, but I feel like I just got to talk about um, the Broncos draft. Um, so I'll go with them. Um, and it, it, this is a huge litmus test in year two for our boy Drew Locke. Because um, I think if this, um, if he's not, doesn't really have a breakout year this year. It, it, it's sort of all on him. And I know that's a lot of pressure for a guy who he only started five games last year. And 
Um, whether he won the games or not, I'm a huge Drew Locke fan. He, admittedly, he's still you know raw as a quarterback, and he's not the you know perfect prospect like sometimes I make him out to be. But getting Jerry Judy in the first round um, at pick 15, I thought that was great value. I think you know Jerry Judy was probably the best overall wide receiver in this class. Um, he doesn't have the 40-yard dash time of Henry Ruggs, but if you watch him on tape, he's you know equally a burner. Every time he plays, he looks like he's the fastest guy on the field. Um, and then K.J. Hamler, who literally will be the fastest guy on the field, um, getting him uh, round two. Uh, and then even Albert O. I, I know a lot of people didn't like the Albert O. pick. I'm not even going to try to uh, uh, um, pronounce his last name. It's, it's like Aqua Boogium or something. I guess I am going to try. But uh, they, uh, pairing him with Noah Fant, that is like the most lethal um, tight end combo in terms of athleticism I've seen since, you know, Rob Gronkowski and he who shall not be named. So I think that um, the only thing that's kind of a head scratcher for me in terms of uh, the fit is, you know, maybe KJ and Jerry Judy do their best damage in the slot. So that, that'll be a little bit. One of them is going to have to play outside some more, or maybe they do like, you know, Judy, Judy, side. you can put Judy. I mean, I guess I'll harp on this because I really like what the Broncos did, Dole, and I'm with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, I mean, the rugs was always the popular spot there at 15 to get mocked to. And, you know, Hamler didn't run a 40, but if he ran a 40, I think the worst he would have run is probably a four, three or a four, three, five or something like that. I think Hamler has legit could have, could have ran the four twos. He would um, have. So, yeah. I, he definitely would have. And as I said, with, you know, with Baltimore, when, when we were mocking with Baltimore and, and just talking about when I was talking about KJ Hamler, just having him attack the middle of the field. I mean, yeah, Judy can go was good in the slot, but he can play on the outside too. And you have Cortland Sutton. I mean, Judy was so much better than Cortland Sutton when he was coming out of SMU. I got to give props to Cortland Sutton for the receiver that he's become. But I've talked about Judy before, kind of having a floor of Calvin Ridley. And so I just think bringing these weapons in for Drew Locke, uh, you know, and even if Drew Locke is not your guy, whoever is the quarterback of the future, if it's this year, if it is Drew Locke indeed, or next year you're going to draft somebody or bring in, you know, whoever it may be, you're going to have legit weapons. And Noah Fant, who, who is a really good receiving tight end. So yeah. I think, uh, and and they got into Tani Muti in the sixth round, who, who Klopp and I were talking about pre-pod, who reminded me a lot of Will Hernandez. He's got some injury issues, but he's just a mauler. So I really liked what uh, Denver did in the draft as well. Yeah, I think Broncos are in a competitive division. I got them as the second-best team, and I think when you're in the division with the Chiefs, um, they sort of just kind of said, like, you know, they already have a good defense, and they were kind of just like, screw it, we're not going to try to um, stop Kansas City. We're going to get a quarterback with a big arm, and we're going to get, you know, speed, uh, big play, deep threat guys. We're going to bolster the tight end position, and we're going to try to outscore them. So, you know, whether it'll work or not, um, is yet to be seen, but I, I commend the um, kind of the overall draft strategy that Fangio and the Broncos, or I guess Elway, you know, El- Elway normally makes some Paxton Lynch in the first round picks, but I think he really nailed this class. Go ahead, Lee. Do you have anything to say? I got my, uh, is this my least, one of my... Lee, of my... Lee won't, Lee doesn't want to compliment Drew Locke and say... Oh, on the Bronco? It. I mean, yeah. They got Muti, so that's the only help they really got on the line, isn't it? And he's not... Yeah. Cushionberry. Cushionberry, well, inside guys. They didn't really yeah. get any help for, um, for, for the failures Bowles has had thus far. And, uh, 
You know, I said it before the pod. I'm not a huge lock guy, but I but I have a, a hard time seeing this team not uh, be a, be a tough out week to week um, in the NFL, especially considering kind of just how they've been the past few years. They've been a, a solid team, so I think they definitely had a above average to to, to good draft. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. I love Judy, and I, I like Hamler a lot. So we'll see how it pays out. Um, still a tough division, though, and I want to stay in the division for my. One of my least favorite drafts, giving the Broncos a little plus here, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, picking Justin Herbert sixth, uh, first of all, I want to just say, obviously I understand where they're coming from, but just I personally wouldn't do it. Um, and I think starting there, they didn't improve at all as a team with their sixth pick because I don't believe Justin Herbert's going to play a snap for them, um, at least in the first eight weeks of the season this year. So I didn't think they improved at all in the first round in, in a kind of a win-now roster. And then trading up, uh, trading, I think it was their second-round pick. Uh, they don't have a third-round pick to move up into the, uh, to the 23rd pick and get Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, to Oklahoma. And I think he was the first linebacker selected. So all the linebackers are on the board. And I just think this is a spot where you could have taken a guy like Patrick Queen, who I had ranked higher. I just think Kenneth Murray was more of a second-round prospect for me. And I understand that he's a good player, and I think he'll be all right for them. But I can't justify them trading, you know, the assets they did to move up. And then they didn't pick again until the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh <clears throat> rounds. And Joshua Kelly from UCLA watched some of him, wasn't overly impressed by what he had to offer. And then Joe Reed was a guy that both of you guys liked, but I think both of you liked K.J. Hill more than him, who they ended up getting, well, I, getting I, in the know, I was going to say, it's, you know, Joe Reed, K.J. Hill, that's a, that's a two-dello Tommy Chalk special. It, it, but, it is. Uh, sir, it is. And Joe I, Reed was mentioned during the, the Sleepers show, and he was a guy who I was like, maybe he'll go in the seventh. Yep, same. Just, just based on what he had done in college, um, I which wasn't KJ really Hill produced pick. from the receiver position, but I guess he goes round yeah. five. I love the KJ like Hill pick, and I'll give them credit for getting him in the seventh round, but I think overall... Um, with the opportunities they had before the draft to when the draft ended, they could have gotten better as a team. Even with selecting Herbert, they still could have gotten better as a team, in my opinion, um, in ways that they didn't, you know, uh, routes that they didn't take. You know. Yeah, Lee, I'll just pile on real quick here. And I, I like, uh, I, I agree with you too, um, for the most part. I definitely think trading up for Kenneth Murray was a bad move and kind of didn't give them you know, the, the capital that they need to, to continue to fill out this roster. Surprised they didn't take it, uh, a strike at a left tackle, um, yeah. you know, because I'm assuming Belaga is going to play right. They have the guy, what, Sam Tevy, I think his name is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, slot in at left tackle. So that was kind of surprising for me. Um, yeah, and then Joe Reed, I think, was a complete reach in the fifth round. I mean, Klepp was talking about it. I like him. And then, you know, I guess if you swap him and K.J. Hill, I'd be a little bit happier with it. But getting K.J. Hill, I think, is a huge plus, And I think he is their slot receiver from day one. I do think that he should, he's going to start in the slot and um, I expect big things out of KJ Hill. Let's throw a prophecy out real quick here. He's going to get at least 35 receptions this year, at least 35 with room to grow. I might, I might bump that up as, as camp moves along, but he's going to get 35 receptions this year, at least two touchdowns. Now let's go four touchdowns. No, three touchdowns. We'll go three touchdowns, 35 receptions, three touchdowns, KJ Hill. At Who's least the touchdowns to him. Is it going to be Herbert or T-Mobile? Don't matter. It's easy. You just got to look at the middle of the field and he'll be open. Yeah. Whoever, whoever is guarding them in the NFL, they're not going to be able to do it. Guy that runs two clean routes. 
I'm interested, Lee. You think you think Herbert? Uh, he's not a day one starter. You give him the oh, Haskins. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Give him the Haskins treatment, the Trubisky treatment, and ruin their career. So I, I don't know. Ruin his career. Throw, yeah, throw him in there week one. See how good you do. <laughs> That's all. I, I think Terod. I think Terod deserves to be the starter, and I think they can be a competitive team with Terod Taylor. I, I think this is the best. I guarantee the, best the Chargers team. wouldn't win more than four games with Justin Herbert if he started every single game. They're not going to win more than four with uh, uh, T-Mobile either. Yeah, I think I, they I don't, will. I don't know about it, that. I think it's, they will. It's, God, it's to, so Tyrod is really that, like, I, I, I don't see it. I think Herbert is a much better prospect than Baker Mayfield was, and uh, Baker Mayfield usurped uh, Tyrod. I don't know about Herbert being a better prospect. He's definitely more talented a, yeah, than Baker, but, conversation. but but Baker, man, Baker – Baker, I think, was a much more pro-ready prospect. Let's not hate on T-Mobile. I mean, but, I mean well, if you're gonna if you're gonna hate on on you know the the Chargers taking uh, Herbert, and then you, see, you look at their draft and they trade up for Kenneth Murray, it's like, well, why not trade that pick to go up and get Tua instead? You know, because yeah. the Lions didn't have any offers. You could have given them a fifth round. I mean, yeah. obviously, you got to go back to six, which makes it a little bit different. So maybe you would have to give up a little bit more, but. The Chargers so. clearly liked Easton, or not Easton, sorry, Herbert the most. Yeah. Mm. And I got Easton on my mind because he's a fourth-round pick, and he's a guy who I, I personally think has just as high a ceiling as, as Herbert does. Well, yeah, they both have incredibly high a ceiling. I, I, I don't mind that at all. I mean, they're both 6'6", stallions with uh, rocket launchers. Yeah, I'm just saying that the, the only difference is really, like, the athleticism and, and I guess, the product um, in college somewhat, but... For for that big of a disparity from pick six to what was it like one twenty whatever or that he's yeah. getting picked, I just think that value wise, looking at the Chargers, like all of a sudden, I think Anthony Lynn's a guy who could be losing his job mm-hmm. if they don't. You know, you guys are are laughing at the fact that T Mobile is going to win more than four games or Herbert or whatever. Either way, in that division, it's not really looking like you know they're going to be making the playoffs or that. I know, mean, come I on, know. let's. All right. I'll just say I think I think Ty, they got a really good deal. I mean, this team's good. Like Tyrod's not going to turn the ball over like Philip Rivers did last year. Philip Rivers lost this team, I think, a good amount of games. I mean, that Raiders game where he threw like uh, so was Tyrod two pick than sixes. Rivers, you know, I, I well, don't know. You I know think he. I think I think you he won't turn the everything. ball over. And with what you have in Eckler, Justin Jackson, and then Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, and now KJ Hill. Eckler and Justin Jackson. Neither of those guys are, are are three down running backs. Don't hate on Austin Eckler, man. Come on. So, so Justin when, Herbert. Would you have kept Melvin? Is Melvin Gordon a three down running? Like, do you keep Melvin? Hell Gordon? yeah. I would. I would. I would either keep Melvin Gordon or draft a running back who can be a three down running back. I love Eckler, dude. I think Eckler's great. I think he can still be your number one running back without having to take the ground and pound of being, you know, a three-down back. And I don't think Justin Jackson is – I mean, we'll see. But you're trotting out names like Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson when we're, we're, we just talked about the Broncos. You know, we obviously Austin know about Eckler's the Chiefs. Austin name and, deserves and, to be – Austin Eckler's a really good football player. Yeah. Austin Eckler's like one of the better running backs in the NFL, I think. He got paid for – like I'm – he got. They paid him twenty four million bucks. They just gave him a contract. I completely agree with it. I think he's well worth the money. I I think Austin Eckler is deserves to be like. I'd rather have him than Melvin Gordon, easily. 
Oh, come on. He's, I, he's, I'm not here for any Melvin slander. He's kind of like, McCa- like McCaffrey light. He's a little bit like McCaffrey light. Uh, I mean, yep. Yeah, right, let, 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 let me jump into my team. Right? Prophecy yeah. Herbert so, started 12 games. Let's, let's move on from the Chargers. Um, I'll throw out my, my team, the, the final one here, the team that I, I thought had a really good draft, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, you get a guy, Tristan Warfs, who's, who's falling, and you just move up a slot to in front of San Francisco and and, and draft him at 13. Uh, you get a guy, Antoine Winfield. He was in my top 20 uh, players in this draft. I think he's a really, really good player, and Todd Bowles is going to do great things with him. I uh, really love the Tyler Johnson pick in the fifth round. Um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of, of Keyshawn Vaughn, but I understand at least the need at running back, and who's to say he can't be successful in the, in the NFL. And from everything I've heard, a lot of the intrigue with Keyshawn Vaughn is just his attitude and his work ethic at Vanderbilt apparently was pretty much second to none. Um, and he, he did juke out Grant Delpit, whatever that's <laughs> Who did it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I just thought that the, the Buccaneers, they didn't, you know, try and do anything too cute, and they just they, they went after positions of need and got really good players. Yeah, I love yeah, that, Clep. Clep, yeah, I'll agree with you, too. And I like going up and securing Tristan Wirfs. Like, I, I, like don't take the chance that, that San Francisco might take him. I think, you know, Unlike the the last time that a team traded up one pick with San Francisco to secure a position, I think this is a, a really good job of, of, you know, taking a guy who can come in, he can play right tackle, he can play guard for you if you want, and just has upside. So I think it's they hit it out of the park. And then you mentioned it, Clep, with Winfield. Another example of a team investing in their secondary when they it might not be as big of a need, really, you know, on paper when you drafted, uh, you know, the kid, the kid just Justin Evans, and uh, they've invested a lot in that secondary, but they're going to continue to do it. And Antoine Winfield is ultimately better than them. So you you get you draft good players. You don't let mediocre players uh, prevent you from drafting good players. And I, and I like how Tampa did that. And Tyler Johnson too, I think, is going to start in the slot. I think that's yeah. a complete steal, club, as you were saying, in the fifth round. Yeah, that's a great pick. Keyshawn Vaughn also. I th- I'm not a huge fan of him, but I think that he fits kind of the the if you're playing with Tom Brady at quarterback you're going to need a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield and I don't know if Ronald Jones has necessarily been that guy to this point in his career so I think Keyshawn Vaughn's kind of a good guy to fit in that slot and sort of something I've been thinking preparing for the rookie draft with this class like I want to be disappointed if there aren't you know a couple of uh, or a few you know a lot of just you know offensive stars in this draft I think there are a lot of good skill position players getting into um, good, uh, have good fits, good teams around them. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn is one of those guys who he's going into an ideal situation for a running back right now. Yeah, and Keyshawn Vaughn, too, is a guy on tape who did actually line up at receiver occasionally. And I don't know if I even really ever saw him catch a pass, but that's something that they at least <laughs> had him doing in practice and stuff. So yeah. he's totally foreign. So that definitely is somebody who has, you know, receiving upside in this class. And, um, I guess maybe we can just do a little bit of a fire round. Yeah, I thought the the, the Rams had a piss poor draft. <laughs> didn't didn't really like what they did at all. I agree. Um, I just thought getting Cam Akers in the second round, and and I know Tommy, you like Ooh. Van Jefferson, and I guess that's your Cooks replacement. But it's just like I think this team needs to shore up their trenches, and then they, you know Terrell Lewis is a, was a back judge of fade. Um, you know, yep. I think we we all like Terrell Burgess a little bit, but I just thought that they had a really bad draft. It's tough because there's always yeah. going to be, you know, certain guys that you like, but overall you got to look at it as a class, you know. Yeah, a... I will say because I, uh, Clep, I, I, I can't shy away. I mean, I liked both of their, their the two uh, Acres and and Jefferson in the second round. I thought were really good picks, and then Burgess in the third. 
Um, and I would say J- Van Jefferson is kind of like a better version of Josh Reynolds. I don't think he's going to be the deep threat, but he is almost like Cooper Cup was coming out, where he is a really good route runner, and I think is just going to fit well into this offense. Um, but like you said, outside of Akers, Jefferson, and then Terrell Burgess, who's a, a really nice versatile piece for their secondary, they didn't get anyone until the seventh round. Tremaine Ankrum from Clemson. I don't really know a lot about him. Uh, you know, Terrell, um, Josh Jones, I think, well, I guess Josh Jones was, went off the board a little bit before Terrell Lewis, but the fact that you didn't take any flyers on any guards or uh, tackles until the seventh round, I think is inexcusable for the Rams. So I'm with yeah, you there. It's, it's like, you know, Austin Corbett was trash in Cleveland last year and he gets traded. I mean, who knows if they can develop him and do anything, but he's been pretty horrible. Andrew Whitworth is getting super old. It just, uh, well, they just they just signed Whitworth to a three year deal, and he's thirty eight years old or thirty nine. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just I don't know. I just thought yeah. it was a really bizarre draft. Um, I want to give a couple shout outs here. I want to shout out yeah. the Panthers' first three rounds. Talked about it a little bit pre pod. Um, totally cool with them passing up Isaiah Simmons to get Derek Brown, considering they got Eturgros Modest with their second round pick, and then they got my boy and, and Dolan's boy Jeremy Chin um, mm-hmm. playing safety in the third round. So those are three guys. I, uh, on my big board, had, you know, all in my top 25 that they got in the first three rounds. So I think that that was an awesome first three rounds for them. And then I got to shout out the Bills, kind of having another uh, yes, another kind of back judge, back judge-esque draft, you know, just like last year, um, getting A.J. Epineza, Zach Moss, and then and Jake Fromm in the fifth round. I think Jake Fromm's a guy that we could be talking about coming for Josh Allen's job if the, if the Bills aren't, oh, aren't, aren't playing up to par four or five weeks into the season. So, um, I love that talk. I don't want to – I mean, yeah. I, I am 100%, you know, step-by-step step in stride with Lee on that take. And I Do you think, think Jake Fromm can throw the ball 30 yards in, in a Buffalo winter game? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, he, uh, he'll, uh, maybe, he won't throw it far. He'll throw it accurate. Josh Allen just has, sails the ball out of bounds. How far do they need uh, him to throw it, man? Honestly, yeah, just just hit 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 Beasley on the flat route. Uh, you know, just bring in Josh Allen for the big play, the Wildcat plays. A pass you got to Zach digs. Moss, man. You got the offensive line, that defense. You got Ep- you brought yeah. Epineza in. You yeah, Epineza, I, that's a, that's a value pick in the second. Wow, that guy's wow. a bill, man. <laughs> Club, he is a bill. Club, you're going to be loving Epineza. You know, in under 365 yeah. days, you're going to be in love with AJ Epineza, guaranteed. Fromm is the anti Josh Allen. And I really just think for, for a team that's, you know, built a, a, a team that's the opposite of the Rams, this team's built in the trenches. I mean, the, the, this, they have one of the best defenses in the league. Fromm's caught um, bigger now fish. You, He's caught now bigger fish have, than Josh Allen. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. He's yeah. caught I mean, bigger he, fish. He already got past Eason and you know, he's going to get past Josh Allen. Um, but the, you got um, a pretty good running back duo in Klepp's boy, Singletary and Moss now. Um, uh, and, and kind of the entire team is set with the one question mark a little bit being quarterback and Jake Fromm's the opposite of Josh Allen. He's a guy who's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to make smart, you know, accurate decisions. If, if this is a, this is a team that has high, ex, high expectations, if they struggle a little bit to start, you're going to hear, uh, the bills mafia at new era stadium. They're going to be chanting, you know, we want Fromm. this is going to be oh, like yeah. TiVo mania all over again. Yeah, I do. I mean, the Fromm pick's great. Zach Moss, I, I love that pick. I mean, I think he's better than Singletary, but I and I think Singletary is kind and of Bill different roles. 
They definitely, yeah, they definitely fill different roles. And I think it, you can have Singletary be kind of like your, he can compliment Zach Moss really well. I'm not saying that Zach Moss is going to out and take his job, but I think both of these guys are not, they're both not burners in any means. I think they both ran four, six, but uh, they both got wiggle. Moss has great contact balance and they can have damage in the receiving game. So I really like what they did. And again, you know, the first round pick was used to bring in Stefan Dick. So this is a team that is going to be hard to fade with, despite having Josh Allen at quarterback, just because Brandon Bean and co, uh, you know, always do a great job of filling out that roster, you know, in terms of trades for agency and the draft. So speaking of digs too, I'm surprised no one brought up the Vikings. They had a heck of a class. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, we can sure. we can bring them up in the uh, in the in the fire round. I got you, you want to talk about the Vikings, Lee? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was surprised they didn't come up as a winner. I I was too. I I thought for sure that they would come up as a winner. They Especially might be the considering winner, they had honestly. a lot. They had a lot of draft picks. You know. Yep. They they really did. Fifteen. Um, and they ended I'm, up. They they really sprinkled players kind of everywhere in this year's draft, um, which I yeah. like. I think that they improved in in several different areas. And I think that well, a lot of a lot of people have them as a consensus number one kind of this year's draft. Yeah, I mean it's kind of hard. They they got Troy Dye, who's a linebacker that Lee, I know you and you and me liked a lot of us, who's coverage upside, and I think can really fit in, uh, you know, into this core with with Eric Hendricks, who, um, you know, is a, is a really good linebacker in his own right. They got Kenny Willekes from MSU, who was one of my uh, one of my sleepers. Dolan, I don't know if you're a big fan of his, but I think he's I a am. guy who's definitely going to make this roster. And um, is just a high effort player, uh, yeah. you know, and I think his Connor's a big fan of him too. Yeah, I, I mean Willikis, it's hard not to be a fan of him just because he works his his tail off every play and has measurables too. I'm kind of surprised he lasted till round seven. I am uh, a fourth rounder. He uh, he's you know people give him uh, crap for not being that athletic. He's an athletic dude. He's a, he has he's ball. a real athletic dude. He, 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 he has. Ball. Ball. Yeah, was, he has all time record for tackles for losses at MSU. You guys are a good player, so great pick. Pre-draft, when I was looking him up, I was like, he kind of reminds me of, like, T.J. Watt, but maybe not as explosive. And his athletic profile is not that far behind T.J. Watt's when they were both coming out. Watt's a little bit more, a little faster, more explosive, but similar strength numbers and everything. I guess we can talk about Jeff Gladney, who we all really liked a lot. I mean, I thought that was an absolute steal to come in and be an outside corner at 31. And Justin Jefferson, even though I thought that they probably should attack receiver in the second round, getting a guy like Justin Jefferson, who I think can compliment Adam Thielen really well, can work out of the slot and just step in on day one and be a really good wide receiver too for them. Uh, I think overall they did a really good job of just taking value picks at, at each spot. Kenny Willicks, uh, I'll just throw out this comp for him that I have. He's an athletic Kyle Vanden Bosch. That's what I see. He's gonna, <laughs> yeah. he's gonna, he's gonna wear the, he's gonna wear the red uh, contacts. He's going to be a thorn in your side uh, for 60 minutes every Sunday. And I think that that was one of the best value picks was getting him in the seventh round. I guess if I can uh, hop on the horn, it's time for, for us to talk about my Dallas Cowboys, who I think uh, are going to be clear winners when it comes down. And it's, it's, I'm really happy to see them kind of return to the, the plus side of the draft after last year, really having Tony Pollard being the only effective draft pick they made. Um, this year coming in, passing up on Christian Fulton in favor of Trayvon Diggs uh, was the only thing that I kind of had an issue with. Uh, I was a big Fulton guy. I was probably the highest of, of all of you guys on, on Fulton. But the fact, okay. that Trayvon, <laughs> the fact that Trayvon Diggs was getting mentioned at 17 and getting mm-hmm. him at, at 51, I think they obviously like him. 
getting CD at 17, I think is just a, a home run pick, especially when you look at it in context with the rest of the draft, uh, what he's going to be able to do out of the slot if they want him to, to replace that Randall Cobb production or put him on the outside and put Cooper in the slot. And then you have Michael Gallup, who's a really good number two wide receiver. I just think this, this Cowboys offense was dynamic as, as all heck last year. And I think CD lamb just makes them even more dynamic and makes Dak's life even easier. And then getting a, a BJP certified boy, Neville Gallimore, the uh, the Canadian guy in round three to really help get another youth uh, piece on this, this interior defensive line. Because right now you got Dantari Poe, uh, Gerald McCoy, and Tristan Hill, the second round pick from last year. So another strength. And then getting Tyler Biotish, uh, the center from Wisconsin, to come in and replace Travis Frederick. Uh, probably won't be as good as Frederick from day one, but I do think has a high floor and, and started all three years at Wisconsin, a guy who I really wanted the Cowboys to take. I mocked him there in my mock in the second round. So getting him in round four was great uh, value. And then Bradley and I for in round five, a guy who, mm-hmm. because of his athleticism, fell to round five, but has all the production you'd want from the edge spot. And I'm super happy they took a flyer on him at towards the end of round five. So overall, a, a really good draft for the Cowboys. I'm happy about it. Yeah, it was a good draft. I think if an eye pans, I, I had an eye as like a third rounder. Um, like I thought he was amazing. And especially what I heard from the senior bowl, I know the lions were really um, into him because Patricia was coaching him and he was just beating everyone at the senior bowl. I think I wanted them to find uh, you know, Robert Quinn replacement. And obviously uh, an eye doesn't have the physical skill set of Quinn, but I think um, he's going to be a contributor and he could kind of come in and uh, fill that role at some point. And CD lamb is just, Arguably the biggest game changer in the draft. Um, he's strong. He's a contested catch guy, um, and he's faster on the field than maybe he was in his 40-yard dash. I think that the Cowboys um, have an incredible. Just looking at the names they have on their roster, and even the production we saw out of them last year, this offense is, you know, the definition of dynamic. I mean, the the offensive line, while not um, maybe the what they were a few years ago, is still amazing. Um, and adding Lamb to this team is just, I think if the Cowboys don't win the division easily this year, then, because uh, I had the Eagles as one of my losers, I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about the Eagles let's a little bit. Horses, but let's hold our horses here, Dawn. I, I, think the, I think the Cowboys, I, they should be able to win the division easily, and I'm going to be incredibly disappointed. I want McCarthy gone. I want Dak gone. I want everybody out if uh, they don't get it done this year. Love the confidence. <laughs> Should have been able to uh, win the division easily last year. I know, I know. That's, I, 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 ho- I hope I'm jinxing them. Let's not overreact. It was a good draft class, but let's not overreact here. Well, that, that it how speaks much better, more about how, how much better are the Cowboys really? Like, like it our, speaks more about how weak the division is. I mean, that's a you know the worst division in football right now. Yeah. Well, I think um, the Giants had a great to, draft. I, yeah, I'd love to see the Giants go. I, I, Danny Dimes is, you know, uh, a brother of mine. I'd love to see the Giants go out there and win. And the Eagles um, drafted their uh, backup quarterback um, and, you know, uh, a receiver who is known for his speed and ran for a, ran a 4-4-7 at the Combine. So I think the Eagles were losers. Um, Redskins had a nice draft, so they could – but they're still the Skins. They still got um, – Haskins at quarterback. So I, I think this is the Cowboys division to lose. Lee, any, uh, any last shout outs here before we hop off? Well, I just shouted out the G men. We don't need to delve too yeah. deep into that. Um, but got to shout out the jets too. I think the jets did a good job of improving. I think I maybe already brought them was, up, but well, but, yeah, I was going to say the jets just real quick, just, uh, 
getting um, uh, Ashton Davis, Jabari Zuniga, and Bryce Hall on day uh, day three, or I guess round three for Zuniga and Davis, and then Bryce Hall in round five. I thought those were all great value picks by uh, Joe Douglas. I'm not in, as high on Denzel Mims as I guess at least Klepp and Dolan are, but I do think that his upside is well worth it at, at the end of round two. And then Makai Becton, I think, is just a great pick for them uh, to come in and play left tackle and really help that run game out um, from day one. So, yeah. overall, a really nice job by uh, Joe Douglas. And then a couple uh, head scratchers for me were kind of the Patriots. Obviously, you don't want to question Belichick too much. I get him trading out of the first round, but I, I love t- Kyle Duggar, and I think he's a great fit in New England, so I-, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a good player there. And obviously Belichick kind of took his pick of the litter with safety, but it's not the direction I would have gone in. Um, I like Josh, the Josh Uche pick and the Michael Unwenu pick. I like that he got the Michigan guys. Both of those guys were really good at Michigan, so I think they'll be good fits schematically with the Patriots too. But the two tight ends, man, drafting uh, Devin Asiasi with the 91st pick, and then, you know, right before Devin Duvernay, my guy goes, who I think would be a great fit um, for, you know, trying to get Jared Sidham comfortable with the slot guy outside of Edelman in New England. I think Duvernay would be great with the speed that he brings um, and yak ability. So that was kind of a head scratcher. And then drafting Dalton Keene, who's a guy that Clap, you and Tommy liked a lot and kind of made me go watch the film. And I really ended up liking him a lot, too. And I think that it's a great fit for the Patriots. But Drafting him in the third round, you know, I just think is a little bit rich. This is a guy that we were kind of expecting to go anywhere from the fifth to the seventh. So I guess you get your guy, but there were some definitely some head scratching picks there coming out of uh, coming out of New England. And then I want to say it, man, the Lions. I, I'm really happy Woo! with uh, a lot of the moves the Lions made, but at the same time, uh, I felt oh. myself leaving the draft experience, kind of feeling like we maybe had the 15th to 18th best draft class in the NFL, and that's not a great feeling to have considering that this is a year that I really wanted to have kind of a top 10 draft class that we could get excited about and maybe bring up on this podcast. And uh, I think we didn't bring them up for relatively good reason because their draft class kind of sank beneath uh, the expectation level, in my opinion. Lions got five day one starters. I agree. Am I the the highest on the the Lions here from their draft class? I thought they really – I mean, you got two starting guards, I think, in Jackson and Stenberg. Cephas – I mean, I that think says more about the fact that you're starting Stenberg at guard. You drafted him in the fourth round. Like, it yeah, doesn't no, necessarily mean that it's a good – I would have taken Ben Bredesen. I'm holding on. For, for the record, I'm just going to hold my tongue for now. Yeah, go ahead and hold your tongue. I'm just saying – I'm just saying that, yeah. I mean, I didn't mean that in the sense that I disagree. I'm just well, – I'm, just, before, you know, I'm uh, refraining before from the draft, Before the draft, what? we're all we're all saying, no, 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 no. They're not going to take a running back in the second round when Tommy brings it up. And then they take yeah. Swift, and all of a sudden we're okay with it. Swift is one of my yeah. least favorite running backs. I thought he was a little bit overhyped out of the four. He was my least favorite. I had Zach Moss over him, so I'm not happy with that pick. Obviously, I think it makes the offense better. I'm not going to try to deny that it makes the offense better, but I just think that there was more value to be gotten for the Detroit Lions in this year's draft, and I think that I just maybe need to reassess the way. I, I, after round one, I was feeling very confident when the Pac, uh, Packers took Jordan Love, and even with the, what the Vikings did, I was like, man, this is good stuff, and then Early in day two and into you know the end of the draft, I kind of it was on a somewhat of a constant decline. And I do like some yeah. of the picks, but I just think it's kind of fifteenth to eighteenth, like I said. If I, yeah, I'll I'll to a, I think. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? I'm sorry. I was just saying. I I just think it comes down to Aquara whether he's he's yeah. going to be kind of the guy who um, decides whether this is a good class or not because. 
Um, he's, I, I liked the pick. Um, I, I sort of had him around round three, maybe a little bit later than that. But if like, you know, if Ilkwa already know his brother, then I'm completely fine with taking him at, um, 67. But, um, he's got all the tools of, that you would want out of like, you know, a kind of a speed athletic edge rusher. And that's a guy that the lions really haven't had in a long time, if ever. So, um, I think if he pans out to what he should be, then that'll sort of shift the tide of this class totally yeah especially if he is better than Epineza or gross Matos. i think that's that's honestly what people are going to remember me specifically will be mm-hmm. comparing this man to gross Matos every single week yeah, yeah. ygm is who i really really wanted them to take at 35 so mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, and, and he was the one who went shortly after swift yep. uh, Epineza went a little later in the second round so mm-hmm. um that's that's kind of i think that's where the draft kind of starts and i mean tommy i know you're saying oh this is a great draft for the lions and i think that it's a, it's one of quinn's better ones but my counter to that is like it's easier to have a better draft when you pick at three like i'm not going to give bob quinn any credit for drafting jeff okuda yeah, like, it's like no, you, that's fair. You built the roster that got you to three twelve and one. You hired the coach that made you go three twelve and one. So even if you're getting, like, you know, you're drafting players high at the at the start of each round, but it's like I don't yeah. really know what that's worth. And I know it might be a little unfair, but hypothetically, you're supposed to have the third best draft if you're picking third. And yeah. and I was expecting a top ten draft class. That's all, and I'm not seeing that. That's all. I'm yeah. Saying. I do think they did a good job of addressing needs, and guys, they got my number one tight end as an undrafted free agent. So yeah, let's uh, uh, no, let's not sleep true. on Hunter Bryant to make this roster because there I, were some I'll medicals there that Bryant. we didn't know about. I don't think though. Pop so. on that tape. Lee knows all about it. Pop on that Oregon tape, well, yeah, Hunter Bryant. <laughs> medicals are a separate thing, though. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Parting thought before we leave, because Lee was just talking about the Patriots and kind of the head scratch. They made a head scratching free agent signing when they signed Brian Lewerke as you know a guy to come in and maybe be their third quarterback. What the hell's going on there? I mean, I Hopefully. watched this guy for three damn years. And it was hard, man. <laughs> it was hard watching this guy. I, I watched him, you know, play football. I think thirty six times, maybe forty. Like uh, three hours worth of this guy every Saturday. Maybe Belichick can turn him back Bill into an eighteen-year-old. What is Bill seeing him? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. He was good I, when he was I, eighteen. I, hey, man, they drafted Danny Allen. Yep. Yeah, no, that is true. <laughs> Alrighty, boys. Good stuff. It was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, indeed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, draft day, Johnny Manziel, five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day, A. Wiggins, 